Welcome to another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast. Our mission is to bring you discussions on a wide array of topics in the coaching world to grow players on and off the court. You can connect with us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, and also reach us directly through email at basketballteacherpodcast at gmail.com. Now, here's your host, Coach Mike Hernandez. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you guys so much for joining us here for another episode. Wherever in the world you're listening to us from, whatever platform you guys are listening to us on, as always, thank you guys so much for the support, the kind messages, the questions, the comments, all the things that you've sent the show's way. Uh, I really do appreciate it as we're hitting the three and a half year mark on this, that that you guys are still still with it and uh, keep keep communicating with me and and, and leaving all the, the kind messages and the reviews and the support that you've sent. It really does keep me going and really excited to be bringing this episode to you. And, and as I was talking to my guest uh, before we started recording, I, I think that this topic is just so important because of the way the game is really played now. Uh, as many of you have listened know that I've had guests talk about uh, offenses where there's a lot of decision making, you know, and, and, and things like dribble drive, read and react, thing, things of that nature. And even even things on the defensive end that involve a lot of decision making as well. It's really the way that the game uh, has evolved and the way that the game is going. And, and so I'm excited to talk about this concept of training players and working with players so that they're developing that basketball IQ, seeing all the options on the floor and, and making smarter decisions uh, when they're on the court. So that's what we're going to get into today. And of course, I never do this alone. I'm very happy to be joined by the head women's basketball coach at Mount Alicious College. Coach Brian Giesler is joining us today. Coach, really appreciate you. I know you're a busy man here, but thank you for spending some time coming on to talk to us. How are things going? No, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Um, th- things things are going very well. Uh, early start to the season. Um, just got get a chance to go on Thanksgiving break now. So it's it's a it's a good spot for us and um very 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 happy with where we're at going into break so yeah things, we, things are going well as we talked about i know that was a, it's been a good start to the season so far so uh, as we joked about have a little more pep in your step so i'm glad <laughs> i'm catching you here in a, on, on a good mood here uh as, as well but Definitely. uh let's let's start with your journey coach and mm-hmm. the journey that you've gone on personally with basketball where where is the game of basketball taking you and where's your coaching journey taking you and how'd you end up uh at mount aloysius where you're at right now so that's it it's it's a it's an interesting story um nothing too crazy in there but um i mean basketball has always been kind of a part of my life uh, and and being a being a college coach has always been something that's been kind of the end goal um and you know back from, you know, I, I, I grew up watching the Carolina teams with, uh, you know, Roy Williams and, and that group. And so that was kind of always like, that's where I, that's where I wanted to be. Um, so as, you know, as, as got older and and started to see and and get some opportunities, you know, as, as a player, um, it, it allowed me to kind of see what else was out there. Um, and I ended up going to Grove city college, uh, where I played basketball and golf. Um, and, which was about five minutes from my house, which was never planned. Um, but it took me there, uh, played for played for a coach there um, who is has been there for 25 years. And I don't think anybody, maybe not 25, but close. And has it's he's somebody that, you know, I've never heard a bad word said about him um, and, you know, made a made a big impact on me with that because, you know, I, I was kind of shown 
uh, how you can handle things and, you know, really treat, you know, your players well, you know, and with respect and yes, be hard on them. But I can tell you, he is one of my best friends to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, talk to him regularly and, you know, has, has been a, a mentor, um, a, a mentor, a friend, um, and someone, you know, I really look up to. Um, and so as I was going through that, um, you know, got a chance to play there and, and have a great experience on the playing side. Um, still knew I wanted to coach, you know, and when I finished up, he kind of was guiding me through some stuff and I'd made some connections while I was playing, hadn't been real sure where I was going to go. And um, the men's basketball coach at Mount Aloysius at the time, um, I had run into him coaching AU um, and I had been doing that because again, knew that's what I wanted to do. And he gave me a call in about mid-October, about a week before the season started that next fall, because I wasn't sure where I was at, where I was going. Um, and said, Hey, I have a graduate assistant position available. Um, if you don't take it, I'm probably doing it by myself. So, um, are you interested? And so I went, went, met with them. Um, and it was all about two hours from home. So, you know, it gave me a chance to coach. Um, I was the only assistant on staff, so got it, got a chance to get in there a little bit more than, than most GAs do. Um, and, you know, it was, it was a good fit, got my master's with it. So, you know, I, I went ahead and mm-hmm. went for it. Um, and then after that two years, um, he actually left and another coach came in um, who I, I, for whatever reason, made a good impression on after the first day. Um, and he, and he kept me on um, a, as an assistant with the men's program um, and very, very different styles from the first men's coach I worked for. So that was, you know, both, both, both good, bad, you know, all the, all the different right. things, you know, were, were, it was a great experience. Um, you know, he's, he taught me so much in a year, um, you know, and then he's, and he's still in coaching um, and, and did a great job with our men's program while I was here. Um, but, you know, through that year, um, then at the end of the year, you know, I, I think I, I was working at Dick's Sporting Goods at the time and I got a text from the AD and was like, Hey, are the women's jobs now open? Are you interested? And I mean, what 25 year old, you know, coach is like, <laughs> no, I don't want to be a head coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so we kind of talked about it and, you know, it was, it was a bumpy ride at first, but, you know, went ahead and did that. Um, and, you know, started that year with set seven kids. Um, so made <laughs> somehow made it through without any major, Ooh. major injuries. Um, and you know, that's, it's, it's given me, you know, a lot of, a lot of opportunities that, and I always said I was someone that I, I would have been fine on the men's side or the women's side. Didn't bother me. Um, still doesn't, I, I, I love where I'm at now, so I can't like the the players I've had or or have been great, um, made really good relationships with people in, in, you know, in, in other coaching positions, you know, and it's been a, I haven't made a lot of stops, but I've made some transitions in where I've been um, and obviously played and coached with some different people. So, you know, it's, it's, it's allowed me to kind of go to, you know, where I am now. And, um, and some of it has been very difficult, which, Mm -hmm. you know, is, is a, it sucked at the time, but I can tell you there's, especially this summer, I, I remember having, you know, one of those like, almost come to Jesus type moments of like, you know what, if you want to do this, I got to do it. So, you know, just kind of buckle down and, and, 
you know, say, okay, but what, what do I got to do differently to make this work? Um, so, but you know, I've had some, I've had some great mentors um, and, and each one of them has just kind of reinforced the fact this is what I've always wanted to do. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, to become a head coach at 25 and yeah, it's incredible <laughs> still, and, and still be doing this. Um, it, it's kind of, uh, you know, it's kind of surreal, but it, it's also, you know, very, um, very rewarding. Um, love the relationships I get to have with the players, love the relationships I get to have with, you know, our coaching staff here in general. Um, and, and just in, you know, the friends I've made through the journey, uh, it's been pretty special. Uh, yeah. That's, and, and I just, just trying to imagine be being a, a head high school coach at 25, which I wasn't, let alone college. I mean, that, that, that's an incredible story too. And especially going from the men's to the women's side, you know, just having that, that transition when you, when you, when, uh, when you think of you're, you're on one path and then something else opens up and you're going to something that, that it's still basketball, but, but it is different. So yeah, no, that, that's incredible. Yeah. That, that was the, that was, I think it, it, again, it wasn't, it wasn't hard from a, um, from the basketball perspective, like, yes, there's differences, but like you said, it is basketball. So a lot of that was pretty similar. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, a little bit of, you know, relationship wise, yep. just very different of how of how they think and how they and how you have to approach things. Um, and then, you know, recruiting <laughs> yeah. was a complete n- none of your contacts are relevant anymore. So <laughs> you got to do Start all that over. Stuff over again um, and then just learning because, you know, none of us. I, some people say, like, you know, well, were you ready? No, I wasn't ready. I mean, none of us who would be (laughs) (laughs) we get that opportunity, you know, whether it had been 10 years from now and I'm 40 and, you know, I'm still not ready, but, you know, learning on a fly took some time, but, um, you know, it's, it's still been, it's still been a great experience. Coach, let me ask you uh, about things on the, on the defensive end. And I know that that's Mm -hmm. something that, um, that that you and I briefly uh, talked about before, uh, we started recording and, and interactions that we have. And, and one of the things mm-hmm. you, you mentioned to me is how um, you took ideas from other coaches. And I'm always curious to ask about what, not only what ideas did you take, but also how did you decide which ones you wanted to use and which ones maybe weren't going to work for you? Well, I, I think I'll, I think I'll start with the, um, you know, how I took ideas and, and kind mm-hmm. of what ideas, um, you know, I, I, the coach I played for is very defensive oriented. Um, I think I remember my sophomore year, we, we tried to press a little bit. And by the time we gave up like one or two layups, he was like, Nope, we can't press. We're done. You know, we're a half court man, like pack line style team. Um, and you know, then that's what I, I got to playing for four years. So that was a big impact on me in terms of like, that's just how I understood and learned the game. Um, you know, especially at the college level, then, then, you know, the, other coaches I've, I've talked to and worked with, um, you know, I, I've worked for coaches that the a coach that pressed, um, you know, and, and was more of a full court kind of system style um, defensively. Um, then I worked for another one who was very, very half court oriented again. Um, and I think it's, uh, you know, so he was a, he, he was a mixture of man zone um so being with the coaches I've been with, I've had a only man ever. Um, I've had the mostly pressing, you know, a little bit of half, but we want to try and trap. We want to do those things. Um, and then I had another one who was, you know, a half court oriented, but he was going to try some different things. Um, and I think, you know, 
understanding from, from my end that all of them can be valuable, um, I think is the first thing, you know, you, you can't really get away from, you know, well, uh, you know, well, I don't, I don't want to press. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's fine. But at some point you might need it for one. And number two, you know, depending on personnel, I think is also where you kind of have to be, you know, what you want to do, because sometimes you might be thinking, okay, well, we're going to press, but personnel just doesn't work or the, yeah. you know, the group's struggling to, you know, get the concept. Um, and so I, then I think it's, it's all about too, what you're comfortable with um, having played and coached under more defensive oriented people that had a similar approach to it. Um, I think that's kind of where I tend to gravitate towards. Um, you know, I know most of what we do is not necessarily um, it's not pack line, okay. um, but it's also like what it, we, we force baseline. Um, Cause I, I, again, that's my personal belief is like, we've got to be able to rotate to the baseline and, allowing them to the the pass we're going to give up is the long skip pass. Um, so both man and zone for me, that's where we tend to gravitate towards. Um, but I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, just being able for me to make it easy for the, the players to understand, um, you know, and similar when we get the offensive stuff, but, um, you know, with, with ours, with, cause we, right now we have a, uh, like a three, two zone and, and our man. Well, in general, the rotations are all the same. Uh, we're not necessarily changing our defensive philosophies because of, oh, we're in zone now. Like, we're still trying to cut off gaps. We're still trying to do the things that, mm-hmm. that force allow it to force baseline, and then our rotations are the same. The only difference is now you're just rotating from the same spot instead of where your man is. Um, and it, I think I, I think it's just – trying to find your ideas in, you know, there's always a, a positive in, you know, in, in anything with a two, three zone, a three, two zone, one, three, one, you know, man to man pressure, more soft. Um, you know, you got to be confident in what, in what you're trying to do. Um, but you also can't be um, too set in your ways to say, okay, we're not going to, you know, even though it's not working, um, trying to adjust to it. Um, and when we've done some other things in the past that like right now I've got a pretty young group. I'm not sure we're quite ready to try yet. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah, we'll, been there. At, at some point we'll probably start switching things. Um, you know, in, in terms of our man, we'll, we'll switch screens or interchanges. Um, we actually did a moment the other day in the game where we switched one through four um, and, and left the five, which is a good matchup for us. So we switched everything else. Um, the one of the coaches I worked for, I worked for, he actually, which again, we're not ready to do it yet, but we, we had started to try and change defenses in the middle of the shot clock, um, which is, is, it's extremely difficult, um, especially because there's so many different ways you can do it. And there's a couple of ways to get burnt on it. Um, but I, if you can do it and do it a couple of times, it causes some real problems offensively. Um, so, you know, I, I think just being a, being adaptable um, is is allowing you to take some of those other ideas. And you know, I an opposing coach one one time we I actually stole a, a two three trap um, where we kind of sit back out of a timeout, and when they cross half court, 
we just kind of send the whole the whole group at them. Um, and it's probably I probably use it about 20 times the whole year. But, you know, if you're <laughs> if you get six or seven turnovers on, it, it's pretty successful. Yeah. Yeah. It's just something you can put in there and, and, and change things yeah. up with. Yeah, and and actually, we we ran it the other day, and we haven't even we haven't practiced it once. Uh, really, and got got turned because it's it's a. I don't want to waste too much time in practice when I, I'm again in five games so far. I've used it one time, so right. It's not really one of those things. Focal that's gonna, point. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and you know what? Sometimes it's going to work. Sometimes it's going to backfire. But you know what? It, that time it did. So you know, it's something we just got to continue to. But, you know, I like the idea of just switching it up for that, for that piece, for possession. Um, so that's like a, a good – that's a really good example of, you know, an idea that I'm not really even sold on as a whole, but for one to two or three possessions maybe, mm -hmm. I, I loved it. And so we've we've kind of used that a, a few times the past couple of years. And um, so I, I think it's just being open to, you know, really anything um, and just trying to see what you like and, and being ready to adjust to – you know, the personnel you have. Yeah. And I think that's always to uh, the point that you made is always kind of like the trick is your, your coaching philosophy and the things that you believe in and the things that, you know, work versus balancing like who you actually have as your personnel and making sure that you're not too rigid or too stuck in one philosophy that you've maximized the strength of the players that you have. And I know even for me now, that's still, sometimes a challenge because I, I have, you know, my own beliefs and my own philosophies of what I want to right. see and what I believe can work. But sometimes <laughs> the players aren't there that are going to make it necessarily work. And I got to do things a little bit different to maximize those strengths. Right. Right. Uh, and it's just, it's a, it's something that again, if you can be confident in however you try and do it, I think then, you know, you kind of have an, an, an unlimited amount of options at that point. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Coach, let's, shift uh a little bit now on, on the offensive mm -hmm. end and i yep. want to talk about offense and, and and offensive philosophy and so let, let's kind of talk about your offensive philosophy and where does player decision making come into play with with what you like to do on the offensive end so um it, it mine mine is a little bit it, it's offensively we're we're kind of a mosh pit of things um but most of what we do is, is dribble drive based um, with, with some tweaks. Um, but I think for one, it, it, it has fit our personnel um, the last couple of years, but it's also, I think it's, it's simple to run um, when, when you get the personnel with it um, because most of what we talk about are looking at the defensive end. Um, so it's, it's more about getting an advantage um, and then being able to read the defense and figure out where it came from. Um, so it's not really, it, it sounds, uh, sounds really simple when you, when I say it that mm -hmm. way, but <laughs> it, in general, that's what, that's what it is. Um, because I, I think, especially at the college level, you know, when you get into sets, I, I have some sets I like, I don't like running a lot of them because teams can scout and do those things. Not that they don't do it at the high school level, but you know, they do it at a even higher rate. Absolutely, and yeah. the, I, the last thing I want is our players to go out there and be like confused or trying to figure out, well, coach, like I, I couldn't make that next pass. What do I do now? Um, yeah. You, so being able to see that the options out of it and, you know, allowing the, the defense to kind of, 
somewhat dictate what is what we're going to do but understanding that when they do a certain thing that's where we're going to go to so for us in the dribble drive you know I, most of it is trying to get that first advantage and there's a couple different entries into it that that you know for us is those are more of like our calls i guess is getting us into an entry um and then starting to attack from there and then once you get an advantage the idea is someone is going to help one way or the other if you've got an advantage someone's going to help so you're just reading okay most of the time if it's driving from the top towards the one side it's going to be it's probably the wing defender if it's the wing defender then your read is where are they at in terms of the ball and who they're guarding are they out denying it okay then you're either going to have more of an open lane or if not you're going to have a backdoor option so you've got to try and engage that defender um if it's not that defender you get more towards the rim it's probably the big sliding over um so then you've got to decide okay do i get the whole way to the rim and finish or do i make that dump to the big and if it's that defender then you've also got to read the backside defender to see if they're coming down. So are they taking away the big or are they giving you the opposite wing option? Um, but it's really a quick read of, okay, you, you have your wing defender. Where are they at? Can I get past them or not? And then it's the big defender. And I'm, again, simple reads of finish or dump. Then the backside defender, is it the dump or is it the come to a jump stop and skip it? And, and really you know, explaining that it's, again, I think it's a simple explanation for a lot of things going on there. Um, but most of the time, you know, you, you're going to win with the players. So a lot of times giving them that freedom to, you know, just make a read. Um, so, and being able to put shooters out there, then, okay, great. You get a kick out. Now you're just attacking another closeout, which where that you try to go middle, but most of the time, just trying to attack that closeout and making the defense, you know, panic and start to run around and, and try and cover everything and, and recover the whole possession. Most of the time we get one good or one bad closeout, but for a good drive, most of the time after that, like I, I, we're going to get a good shot. It's just a matter of, you know, is it sec first, second, third pass? Um, so I think a lot of our offensive stuff is is basically around you know, when the defense does something, here's your counter. And when players come to you, mm -hmm. how, what is their level of making those reads? And, and, and I guess what I'm, what I'm furthermore asking mm -hmm. is what needs to go into teaching that, that player off the dribble to improve their vision, improve their decision-making and be able to be quicker with those decisions. Um, there, I get all ranges um, mm -hmm. to, to put it simply, um, lots of different reasons for that. Um, some of them are, you know, high school programs that came from some of it are, you know, the dribble drive, the way we try and run it is somewhat counterintuitive to most motion offenses. Um, because there's a lot of giving space instead of trying to fill up, you know, <laughs> most kids are taught that, you know, when that ball goes, the other side okay i got to get to the top to fill that space when most of ours are you know no stay away and give them more space to drive because that's where your opening is um 
but it's it's a it's a wide range of things um there's a lot of i i would say mixture of you know understanding of that um a little bit of i've got some kids who just aren't great um when you know seeing that next defender they might see the first one but they might not see the next one um i've got some who and again this is a, a general some that just mm-hmm. they aren't great at reading and making that first simple read where it's kind of like they're trying to overthink it um when in all reality it's just a it's one to two choices um so it, it's i think they're trying to you know write an essay on <laughs> on a test rather than yeah. like it's it's like a true or false question it's <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah. As, as an example of that um so i think for us most of the time is we're we start out with a couple different things um you know we main like if i if i'm if i'm you know putting it in i'm showing them spacing and giving them general ideas of what we're trying to do so you know we have our six spots on the floor and i'm like you want to try and drive double and triple gaps so if someone's next to you that's not a place to drive it you want to drive the opposite way um and so we'll try and do it we'll 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 start it. I'm still a believer in a kind of whole part, whole idea. So we'll put the whole thing in and kind of let it go for a day or two of where it's not, not pretty um, as, as kids are trying to learn and, and, and then I'll kind of start breaking it down. So a lot of what we try and do is getting, you know, building it up with, you know, one-on-ones even, um, you know, we, we use a drill called blind one-on-one where the defenders in front of the ball handler with their back to them, and the offensive player puts the ball on their back and they can't, the defense can't move until the ball is taken off their back. And the general idea of it is we're trying to work on finishing one-on-one. So you've got an advantage, you've got the defense on your hip. Um, and so now you're just trying to figure out, okay, where, where can I finish? Um, but we've added that to two on two um, and some of our two on two looks, you know, we'll, we'll give them different, and all of it's out of our offensive, like basic spacing rules. So everything is, you know, allowing them to put themselves in a game type situation, um, whether it's starting one-on-one, two-on-two, um, we'll do three-on-three. Um, if, if you know most uh, some of the dribble drive stuff, there's mm-hmm. the, the, bl- the blood drills. You know, we, we use a lot of that. Um, you know, I, I'll put kids in, we use an advantage drill, so it's a four-on-four, but the defense has to start on the side of, of them. So you've already gotten them beat. So now it's just a matter of reading, okay, where's the help coming from? What's your next pass? You know, and for us, it's also a good defensive drill because it, you know, someone just got beat. So now we've got to try and rotate. And um, I think from, from that for us, it's, it's just continuing to, you know, give them opportunities, um, you know, in, in much more live, you know, examples. Um, and trying to get them to see, you know, okay, where's my decision at? And when that happens, what should I see? And I think it's easier for them to go, you know, if they're worried about one defender first, so starting two on two, you know, one-on-one, two-on-two, like they don't have to worry about the other three or four defend, two or three defenders on the floor. So they're able to kind of see it visually in, in that sense first. And then you add one and it gets a little tighter, but trying to build that for them, um, I think it's kind of how we've, we've, you know, and it's not always pretty at first, um, but as we start to get it, then it, then it, 
becomes where it's very difficult to guard if you've got one or two kids that really understand it and can see it. And then after that, you can put some kids on the floor who, um, and again, not in a bad way, just they, they don't have to try and make that many decisions. Yeah. They just got to figure out, do I shoot it or do I make a drive? And so you can kind of, you can kind of let kids play to their strengths with that. Um, as long as they understand the general, you know, the basic ideas of it. And so what I am kind of gathering from your answer is that you are intentional in terms of your practices and the way that you design practices and the, and the things that you want to do to consistently be working on players making decisions and putting them in situations where they have to adjust and read to what's going on and, and, and make decisions consistently throughout practice. Yes. Um, and it's, it's been a little bit of feedback I've gotten, but it's also been um, just something that, you know, you, you got to get them out and playing um, whether it's, you know, the, the full five on five or whether it's small sided games, but, you know, by what, by what I've tried to do with it is, you know, two on two, three on three, four on four is, you know, starting it out with a game like simulation so that they can, you know, get that rep over and over and over. Um, and so, yeah, so being intentional with it and then trying to keep it as simple as possible, um, not really try and give them, you know, again, dribble drive, there's all kinds of, you know, the true dribble drive. It's, uh, there's a lot more, you know, okay, the drop zone and I, we've, eliminated that um so just being able to go and read that one defender um or two defend like almost a, a football style of like check downs of like okay yeah. you check that one you check that one you check that one um and being able to you know continually rep that and by giving them okay here's your first look here's here's your decision okay now we're adding another one now now you got two decisions now you got three decisions um so, yeah, so being intentional and, and putting them in as many game-like situations as possible um, as, you know, trying to um, shelter them a little bit from a game, <laughs> but still allow them to, you know, see those actions um, so they so they don't get into the game and, like, you know, freeze and try and overthink it. Yeah, no, and and I think that's the best way probably to go about improving that decision making is is they the only way i guess they can improve on it is if they're in a position where they have to co consistently make decisions and i know that i've had uh struggles with with players and in the past and i'm, I'm sure you've had these experiences as well especially with ball handlers about when to make the decision to to go to the basket or when to pass when to get players involved when to you know maybe not be seen as selfish versus like hey you have to take this opportunity when you see it i right. i i know that this is something that that i've i've seen players struggle with and i'm sure for that player uh with, with the ball in, in the hand consistently your ball handler to be able to um, not not just make the right decision, but also understand that sometimes making the right decision means like that they're they're taking they're they're taking the ball in their own hands and 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 going to the basket or 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 trying to make a move. Um, I know it can be kind of stressful for for players when they feel that they have that much responsibility. I'm uh, and I'm wondering if that's something that you've had to communicate and talk to your your primary ball handlers about. Oh, definitely. Um, you know, it's it's something that certain kids and certain players can understand it differently, you know, again, based on what they've been, you know, scorers, 
tend to have an idea of like, okay, I can, I'm get, I can get to the rim, so I'm going to get to the rim. Um, where, you know, some that have never really been put in that situation, you know, are kind of hesitant to, you know, even really drive it or, you know, they're driving it with the intention to pass it. Um, when really they're like, it's one to two dribbles, maybe more to a layup, um, but they're not super comfortable with it. They're not, mm. you know, so it, it's, it's one of those things it's, I've had some, it's all different. Um, I think the biggest fight and not fight, but you know, what I try to get through to our kids is like, there's too many times you got to be able to play off two feet. Um, and most kids are not really taught how to do that. So I think that's probably the, like, that's the, one of the bigger adjustments I'm trying to get kids to do, you know, they play off one foot and they try and, you know, jump passes or, you know, trying to make a pass on a move. And, you know, there's, and then, you know, with freshmen right now, I'm, I'm dealing with, you know, well, yeah, now that all of a sudden the defenders, they're a lot quicker. So is that, so is that one uh, guarding the first pass? So you've got to make the decision quicker. And if you make a pass, that's not quite accurate. Now all of a sudden you're making a turnover. Um, so trying to get kids like that's one of those like things that I harp on and harp on that when you can play off two feet, some of those decisions become a little bit easier because it does slow you down naturally. Um, and I think one of the issues with the dribble drive, but it's also a good thing. You, you have to play so fast sometimes because, and you know, you think, okay, I got dribble, I got dribble. And they try to go so fast that a lot of times those um, decisions aren't necessarily coming the way they're supposed to. Mm -hmm. So we talk about playing off two feet because now you have a chance to make some of those decisions that you might not have otherwise. Um, and just general slowing down, you know, they move at a high pace. If you, you can slow it down way more than you think you can, but as you get more reps with it, it does naturally kind of slow down. So it's a double-edged sword with that. Um, but I know it's, it's something that, you know, trying to get kids to understand, um, you know, again, if they're not scores, like you got to take that, you got to take that option outside, you know, they didn't help over as much as you thought they did. You got to be able to take that layup. Um, and so it's definitely, it's definitely about building confidence. You know, we've done a lot more this year too, of trying to, you know, do some ball handling drills before practice, you know, as, as part of practice to, you know, try and continue to add some confidence to them that way. Um, because they're all on different levels there. Um, and I think those are just, you know, continuing to emphasize, the, you know, the couple of things that, you know, you need to be able to do um, and and showing kids that, you know, hey, you could you have plenty of options. Now that we've got some people that can drive it, you can be a little bit more of a shooter. But if someone closes out on you badly, you've got to be able to put the ball on the floor once or twice. Yeah. And I know that uh, for. Uh, you know, and I don't know, I'm sure this is at all levels and I'm thinking, uh, you know, of, of the situation, I'm kind of like playing your offense in my head right now. And I'm, I'm, I'm uh -huh. imagining that kick out here and I, and I, I can see, you know, some, some of my players, right. Who, when they don't have the ball, they're the shooters, they get the ball and they just kind of, right. just kind of, they're in that in between, like, Oh, I don't know if that closeout's going to be there or not. I, it might be right. there. And then they just sort of er, freeze. And then it's like, mm -hmm. you didn't do anything. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't make a choice. And now the ball's yep. stuck corner or whatever because you didn't put the ball on the floor you didn't swing it you didn't shoot you were kind of in that in-between zone and 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 I, I think that that building of confidence for players when they're when they when they get the ball in their hand when it gets kicked out to them to be able to 
quickly assess and quickly make a decision and just be kind of confident in their decision. I know for me as a coach, one of the things yeah. I, I had to work on was building those players confidence where when that ball gets kicked out to you, I, I am trusting you that you are, are have put in enough shots that you know that you're ready to shoot or you're ready to assess a bad closeout and just be decisive and confident. And it's something that I, I don't think I knew really to do when I first started coaching, but I, I realized mm -hmm. kind of now how important that is to build that confidence, to let your players make those decisions when that ball gets kicked to them, for example. Yeah. And I, and I think that's been, you know, again, you, you get it sometimes with better players, but you know, you got to have some of those kids that, you know, they have a, you know, whether it's a shooter or, you know, cause shooters. And I, and I can say this from experience, like I don't want to put the ball on the floor very often as a player because I was a shooter and bad things happen when I put the ball on the floor too often. So I, you know, tried to, I could do it once or twice, but it was, it was something that I had my, you know, so you kind of try to play to those strengths, but then you start to give them, you know, okay, show them, showing them film, I think is a big piece of that too, to show them like, okay, you can do it. Um, we, we do another drill, you know, we do two different ones with it, but we have a, a one more drill, which is a shooting drill that, uh, it's it's a simple one to start practice with, but we get two shooters on the wing and we have someone closing out and they're making a pass, but they're not necessarily closing out the person they made the pass to. So even just a simple like read of, okay, I have to pick is, are they close? If they're closing me out, I have to make the next pass. But if they're closing the other person out, then I got to be ready to shoot it. And, you know, allowing them opportunities like that, even in just a simple, we do it for three minutes, even a simple shooting drill like that, you know, just allows them to rep those. And so they get a little bit more confident in making those right decisions. Um, and we do another one with, you know, whether the the defense, you know, closed, closed out the whole way or did they close out short? So should you put the ball on the floor or should you just straight shoot it? Um, and again, there's, there are shooting drills that are simple enough to basically have, you know, two to three minutes, um, but allowing those kids like that to, you know, all I have to do is think about one thing. Mm -hmm. Great. And then even if it's one to two dribbles and pull up, awesome. That's a, that's a good look. It's a great option. And just giving them, conti again, continual times to, you know, try and rep that and, and see what it looks like, maybe at a little slower speed than in the game. But by making that decision, you know, for, again, two to three minutes, like now when they get in there, it's a little bit more, a little bit more of a comfort level. And, and just to, to add, add on to that, cause I, I completely agree with what you're saying. I know that the other thing to that as well, for me in, in decisions like that, or, or situations in, in practice where, where we have things like that, where players got to, maybe they do, you know, a couple dribbles and pull up telling my players that even if, even if they miss, like you, you still better be taking that. Like they like yeah. don't lose confidence in that decision just cause you didn't see a couple go in. Like you still, you got to keep shooting. If you're a shooter, you got to keep shooting. And as, because once you stop shooting, then we're in even worse trouble because then you're making the absolute wrong decision at that point. Well, and, and I, and I think, and, and I think you hit it, you hit it right. Like you've got to have some confidence and, and, and a little bit of freedom to say like, okay, you're, you can make a mistake. You know, mm -hmm. you, you, maybe you took one that was contested and, you know, we can look back on film and go like, okay, was that a very good, was that a great shot? And you're like, no. Okay. Now, but now you've seen it, you saw what that looked like in the game. Like, I still want you to shoot it when you're open, mm -hmm. but now that's where we can start talking about it. And I think the same thing for, you know, even, even times that we're trying, you know, different passes or, 
you know, understanding that, you know, if you throw a backdoor pass and maybe you throw it out of bounds, I'm okay with that. I mean, I'd rather you didn't throw it out of bounds, but, but the, the, the ability and the confidence to make the pass, you got to have that first. If you're worried about me getting mad at you because you turned the ball over, um, that's not, that's not where I'm, I'm going to be more mad at you if you're scared to make any decision. So allow, allowing them some freedom. And again, where, where the dribble drive focuses, like I prefer them to drive middle most of the time. And some of the baseline drives that we get, they, they do, they do get an earful, but a lot of it is, again, I'm telling you to read the defense. So they may close out on you differently than I thought they would. So you've got to be able to make a decision and go with it. So, you know what, if, if we make one and, and I don't necessarily agree with it, but it works out and it's in the general guidelines of the offense, I have no problem with that. And you've got to be able to make a, a decision as a player and have that freedom to do that because then you start to get even more confidence to make the simple ones that you do regularly. Um, and so I, I think that's where, you know, continuing to show them, okay, here's what you could have done differently. Not that that was wrong, but here, you know, as we go through, I'm telling kids all the time, like, okay, that one worked, but did you see this defender and why that person was also open? Yeah. And they start to go, okay. Um, and that's where, you know, with, with us, we, we just continue to, you know, try and show as many things as we can. You know, when we go into scout stuff, we try and, you know, give them an idea of what you're going to see defensively when we do certain things. And that way, like if, if it's a team, we have to look more on the backside or the opposite side of the floor. Okay. But if it's more of a pack line where it's attack the gap and just normal kick out um, and, and those, so giving them more confidence of like, okay, this is what the defense is going to do. Um, and being able to have some freedom that if they do something different, you still, you still can go do that. It's, it's the the idea, right, of if, if we're going to put in an offense that allows for player decision-making, then players need to be able to make decisions. And we have to understand that there might not be the decisions we think they're going to make, but <laughs> if it's around decision-making, we got to let them make decisions. And if we don't want to make them have to make many decisions, then our offense should be a lot more rigid and a lot more set-based to take that away from them. So it's like Correct. you can't get too mad at them for making you know wrong wrong decisions sometimes if, the whole, <laughs> if it's all predicated on making decisions like mistakes are going to happen correct, sort of thing, correct. Right? We, we, we could we could run some flex and give you you know two options and say that there you go mm-hmm. but um i and i think it's i again from my experience as a player too i think it's more fun to play that way you got to play with some freedom um yes. yeah and players it, like it a lot more and players like a lot more a lot more energy as coach <laughs> as a coach it's not always the easiest thing to give them that much freedom but you know at some point you got to say you know what that you got to let them play um and, and that's it. That's at least my I, I've hopefully prepared them enough that when they go play, they're going to make the right one. So I, I can I can live with that. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. We kind of talked about it a little but I want to make sure I kind of ask it specifically about yep. in your experience as a coach. What are, what are barriers that you have seen that have that get in the way of players developing good court vision and, and, and seeing the whole floor, whether it's uh, with the ball or off ball? And how, how have you kind of designed things in a way to kind of help them? kind of push past those obstacles and kind of reach those breakthroughs? Um, I, I think it's a barriers or that's a, that's a tough one because they're all over the place. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah. Some, some kids are, you know, some, some of them, it is skill level. Um, and, and I think that's just a, you know, whether it's not being able to dribble with their head up 
um, as, as dumb as that may sound, I, it, I, it I, happens. I, I see it. I see it all the like time. The, um, you know, you know, ability to dri- to dribble with both hands. Um, I, I think, I think that's I, for me. That's a major barrier. Um, and some of these necessarily aren't necessarily going to fix it, but I think a, a basketball IQ a lot of times is, is, is a barrier to it. Um, and you can teach some of that and, and, you know, grow that IQ, but some of it is just, you know, whether they have the ability to do it or not. Um, and I, and I think for that, you know, I think those are probably the two biggest barriers. Um, and, and I touched on a smaller one earlier that where our dribble drive is, it's counterproductive or counterintuitive to what most motion offenses are. So that, also is somewhat you know you've had these um you, you've had your your typical ways you've done things forever your habits that you've created and now all of a sudden i'm kind of stripping that for for a minute to say like okay even though i know you want to go that way you need to stay here for a minute um and while that's happening i think it's it's very difficult sometimes because you know it doesn't look pretty when we run the offense or um, because people are doing all kinds of different things. And, and Grant, I have a whole new team this year, so I saw it even more than normal. But, you know, being able to do that, I think it's, you know, continuing to, and like we've talked about, adding and giving them pieces to show, you know, continue to add to their decision makings and, and get, allow them opportunities to see pieces of the floor before they see the whole thing. Um, and then honestly, we, we'll break some stuff down. We had a really good day the other day in practice where we just, we went five on five. And I don't know that we played more than, you know, uh, two to three minutes in a, in a 10 minute segment. But we were, we kept talking about, okay, when there's a drive here, this is where the defense is going to probably go. Um, and then allowing them to kind of see it in slow-mo so that when they see it in in full speed, it's a little bit of being able to kind of anticipate, here's what's going to happen. Um, and while that's not always perfect, it, it allows them to kind of start to see the whole court in, in a way where, okay, when I'm driving, instead of thinking in, in terms of, I use the term blinders, instead of having blinders on, like now you're able to see it in a, in a setting that allows you to see it fully because then when you get onto the floor on the floor in a game you've seen it and can think now quicker to where okay now i gotta look to that backside because of the of the defense um so i think it's i think it's trying to get kids you know pushing past the obstacles um just giving them more you know it's going to sound like a broken record giving them more opportunities um but also being able to go through you know film and, you know, I think film is super helpful at every level of being able to see, you know, oh, that's what you meant. And it, like, you see that light bulb. You see it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay. And now all of a sudden it's in their mind of like, I get what he means. Okay. Then it's, then it's a couple more times like, okay, now it's like, it's in the back of their mind a lot more. And then when you see it one or two times and you get it done, it's like, you know, the light bulb moment. And I think for me, again, just, you know, continuing to talk about that confidence with them and, you know, making sure that positive reinforcement's there. So, you know, when it's there, you know, be 
overly excited that you know we were able to see it and i can sometimes be sarcastic which my my girls do understand at least for the most part so i i can i can kind of start talking about some of those things or some something that you know one of them doesn't do great and kind of like joke with them about it but it continues to kind of reinforce what we're looking for and then when they do it it's like you know it's it's the biggest deal that they you know did what we're looking for and so it just continues to be like okay i did the right thing and um i think it's again it's the the whole the whole idea is continuing to give them reps that you know it's just like in a classroom with you know simple math you know trying to give them more and more reps that like then you start to get quicker you start to see patterns you start to see all those things and then you know by the time they're you know two or three years down the line all of a sudden they have all this stuff in their mind and they're really really good at um and just continuing to reinforce that, you know, when they do it well, you know, that's, that's what they should be doing. I really like to, uh, to, uh, 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 I mean, you said so many really great things, but, but like the filming part in film yeah. has saved me. I know so much like energy maybe, or, or, or time <laughs> because I, we could just, you know, we don't have to have these these discussions of players about what 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 we did or what we didn't do. It's like, all right, well, we'll look at it, and and the answer will become obvious right there, and then we can yep. look at it, and and we can just kind of go from there rather than like you. So many, so much energy, I feel like, and so many conversations have been cut down and shortened just by being able to like <laughs> look at film and and and, right. and use film productively. That. I really and and I know a lot of coaches too who 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 do this too about even just like filming practices and like mm -hmm. going through those things like anything that you could show players I think is is so much not, not that speaking isn't valuable but just to have that visual like this is what you are doing and this is what I'm seeing and it's like oh oh okay like we we aren't spacing yep. the floor or we aren't you know doing this like no no we no we aren't but like we've seen it so now we know and and now we can move on and and hopefully get better at it and it's just it's invaluable to me Oh, I, I totally agree. And, and again, you mentioned, you know, filming practice and that's something that, you know, I, I have, I have an assistant who is, you know, part-time, she works a full-time job. So some days I'm on my own. Um, and even then I've, I've found ways to, maybe we're doing a half court drill or something. I'm not trying to film the whole practice because I, truthfully, I don't have time to go through the whole two hour practice every day <laughs> yeah. during when, when we're scouting and doing all those other things, but I'm able to, Maybe it's a 15-minute, 10, 15, 20-minute segment. And just, you know, whether it's half court, I was able to set up the camera for us on the one half court where then every time you're able to just and, – and we and we do try and – especially in our half court segments with this stuff, we're trying to go and keep the speed up with it. So, you know, possessions are getting reset pretty quickly. So I'm having I'm – I'm a, in a 15-minute segment – I have 10 minutes of solid footage that I can be like, okay. And, and it's all based on our offensive stuff. So mm -hmm. it, it's, it allows us to, and I can go the next day and practice and take the first 15 minutes and be like, okay, here's what you need. And it, and it just, even that is like allowing you to reinforce that. So I, I think it's, it's something that not everybody can necessarily, you know, do or, or work on, but I think, something that I figured out this year was, you know, that ability to, you don't have to film the whole practice. You don't have to have an assistant there. You, you can do some of that on your own and being able to 
you know, when you have a group that definitely wants to learn, they even that 10 minute segment, they are thrilled to have it and just have some feedback. Um, yeah. And so, you know, put your iPad, put your phone up there for 10 minutes, film the segment you need to film. You know, I try to get get it to them as soon as I can after practice and and then w- watch, you know, maybe not the whole thing, but five minutes of it the next day. And, and now all of a sudden you have some some reinforcement and they're able to kind of see it instead of, you know, sometimes just game film is hard, you know, especially when some kids don't play quite as much as others. Yeah. Where, you know, now all of a sudden your practice film is probably pretty even. So now you're getting everybody Everyone's and you're there. able to yeah. have. And I think even from a general culture standpoint, it also helps because now all of a sudden you're coaching, you can coach everybody more equally in practice that way um, and try and reinforce some things that way. So, you know, everybody's a little bit more invested um, than they otherwise would be. Absolutely. No, I, I, I really like that idea too of, of, of you do a practice, you get so much more film on, like you said, players who may not play as much in games. They get so much more time to actually see themselves playing in those game-like situations that, uh, it's it, it's it's a lot of film for them to actually look at of themselves playing rather than of of others playing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah. Because film sessions when you're not playing get very very difficult to pay attention to. Yeah, yeah, um, and 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 especially like for for players when when you know it's just like yeah like uh, but it's it's not me doing that or like okay but yep. like how invested am I like. I don't know, like why why is coach yelling at me? Like I didn't, I wasn't playing, you know. <laughs> right, right, yeah, right. Yeah, like get on me, yeah, sort sort of thing for sure. Um, I wanted to ask before we hit our concluding segment, and 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 yeah. something I think that you mentioned that I think is really useful in terms of building players' decision making, and I want you to uh, speak a little bit more on that. Is is what you do in practice in terms of uh, throwing those different defenses at your players that you know that you they might be seeing in upcoming opponents? What kind of goes into your uh, practice planning of being intentional with with making sure that you're letting those players see those different like defensive looks and making sure that they have like that that familiarity of what the defense might do in an upcoming game. Um, I think I think a lot of it is for for me especially is scout based. Um, you know, especially at this point in the year, like it's it's definitely way more scout based of you know whether teams are let's say we just played a team actually that. Um, tends to deny on the wings more. Um, so they don't, they don't help as much in the gap. Um, so in practice, a combination of things, but, but we're always going through and, and giving them, you know, for, for us, one of the first drills I do after a warmup, when there's a team like that, um, we do Princeton layups. Um, so it's literally just a dribble at back door um, and trying to <clears throat> really give them no other options than you know what we're probably going to see um in terms of again scout wise and what i've been able to to get from that um but i think you know in general it's it's giving them again more options and more reps but making it very intentional um and in in the in the in the y generation we have um making sure they know what the reason is um where somebody is playing, you know, giving them that information where sometimes it may be too much. And, mm-hmm. and, and I've, I've been known to do that before, but <laughs> I think a lot, I, th- I, I think a lot of it is, you know, some of those kids, like as soon as they understand the, the, the concepts behind it, you know, from, 
why why we were doing this drill and from what i've seen this is what they're going to do and this is why it will work all of a sudden like things start to just click and they're like okay like and then you can start to and i'm don't get me wrong i've been wrong on scouts before too so that's kind of backfired but <laughs> i think a lot of that is you know same same things you know trying to mix up things in practice with you know certain days where um i you know what the coach I played for, he was always um, he would mix things up on on days with zones. So if we were if we were going to see it early in the season, we didn't do a whole lot of zone stuff. But Saturdays was our zone day, um, okay. you know. And so I think some of that you can kind of, you know, be able to shift some 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 players mental ideas with, you know, making sure they know like, OK, today is today is focusing on a team that's going to pressure way more. Um, they're going to do these and it can, so it can kind of be scout based, but it can also be okay. You know, again, early preseason or summer when, you know, if you can work with your team, giving them those opportunities to say, okay, today we're focusing on a team that's going to pressure us or vice versa. Maybe it's a team that's going to be more pack line and, or help from the backside, all of those different scenarios, you know, but again, allowing the kids to get reps against it. Um, and not just the the one or two times that you're thinking, oh, this might, you know, giving a whole day of we're like, okay, we're we're going to go over this. Um, and I think I, I wish I could say more to that, but I think a lot of times it's just being extremely intentional and being creative with mm -hmm. how you set up a drill, which it might be something that, you know we haven't really thought of or done or, and then all of a sudden, you know, we're, we're adjusting it to say, okay, but they're not going to help from here. So we've got to make this, um, you know, in, in one of our blood drills, a lot of times we're going, we go four and four a ton. Um, and we'll, we'll make sure that the defenders know like, okay, I understand we do it this way, but I need you to make it look this way. And they tend to buy into that a lot easier too, but, then just giving us a, a full, you know, a full segment of, you know, even 10 or 15 minutes, because you can't do everything, mm -hmm. but allowing them to say, okay, we're going to do this blood drill with our through cut. And then you're reading this defense this way. Um, and even some of our other stuff that we do offensively, you know, giving them some options to um, go against it live. Um, and, and as many times as you can, um, like for example um we also in in addition to the dribble drive we run a little bit of the princeton like a little bit of princeton action with you know the split action on the wing and and hitting the high post so with that we've we we do our split action shooting i call it and and it's you know we'll do it two on o and rep and get all the all the different looks out of the, the two on o action but then we'll add some other things to it where we'll go three on out or three on three with it, three, two on two with it to allow them to just continue like, okay, now you have to read it. So now you have to make that adjustment to, you know, maybe teams are, you know, I'll tell the defense, okay, now you, now you can switch it, switch. We're going every time you're switching it. So that way we're working on more of the slips um, or we're saying, okay, now you're going to, they're going to trail. So you have to be ready to make a curl cut. Um, and just giving them as many as many, you know, 
ideas of, okay, when they're going to play it this way, this is how you should be reading it, or at least trying to. Um, and I think, you know, it does take some time, um, especially, you know, high schools and, and being in Pennsylvania, our, our high schools are really lucky that they pretty much get all year to spend with all of their players all the time. That's great. Yeah. Um, so um, it a little bit luckier with that, but I think a lot of those times I can remember in high school, we, you know, coach I had, we just went over, you know, the screen actions and understanding, you know, when, when screens are this way and, you know, you got to give them a chance to, you know, learn it. Um, and I think some of those things aren't necessarily taught a lot or as they should be, but learn why, learn what it is, then learn why it is and then learn how to do it. Um, and I think all of those things are, you know, kind of in line with what I've been saying for the most part, where yeah. it's just continuing to give them reps and allowing them to conceptualize it, practice it, and then get good at it. Um, and I think try after that, I, I try and keep it as simple as I can that like, then you're on your own as far as reading it. Like I've given you as many as reads as I can. And, you know, but for us, the scout stuff, we'll walk through it a little bit more. So they, so they can see it a little bit slower. Um, Cause we can't, I don't want to mess up our defense too much um, to try and figure out, okay, we do it this way, but I need you to play it this way all over the, t all the time. I try to avoid that a little bit more. So we'll walk through it more and kind of be like, okay, here's what they're going to look at. Here's, here's how they're going to help. Here's what we need to try and do against it. Mm -hmm. um, so that way it's, and then reinforce it, you know, pregame scout, that type of thing. But um, with, with practice and everything, it's just continuing to give them, you know, more ideas, you know, whether you're repping it two on O, whether you're repping it five on five, um, you know, but putting them in situations where you don't want to just roll the ball out, but give them a be, be intentional. Yeah. Yes. Be, be, yeah. be intentional with it. And and I continue to say, be creative. Like you can't, you can't be too, you can't be too creative with, with that type of stuff. Like, yeah, you know what? If it doesn't work. Same, same, same thing as you're trying to tell mm -hmm. them, you've got to try and dip, some different things sometimes. And some, someday this drill is going to be like, Nope, that didn't work. And, and we're never going to do that again. But other times you get some stuff out of it and, you sometimes get a, get a drill that, that they love all of a sudden. So it's, it's like working on uh, coaching decision making too, right? We're gonna yes. you yes. gotta make the right read and practice sometimes on what to do, yes. and sometimes you won't make the right decision. Yeah, so that's okay. Uh, yeah, and, and I think being intentional with that in practice too. Um, I, I think it's practice plans um, are are very important to me. Um, you know, even, even if I come in with a little note card with what it is, there's never a time that it has, doesn't have every drill in there has a, has a reason for it. Um, I've got about seven or eight shooting drills that I do pretty early in practice and they're all kind of adjusted to what we're going to see, whether it's Princeton layups, um, whether it's you know, kind of our read and react shooting, all of those things are based on, okay, we're going to do this and this is, but everything down after that is like, you know, we're going with the purpose for that drill and blood drills, all that stuff. We're going to see more man. We'll do that. You know, those type of things. So I think being intentional with that and then allows you to keep your focus too in, in practice. Um, you know, when I have a note little section on my practice plans that, you know, everything that I'm, maybe I'm wanting to emphasize something different today 
yeah. um, in a certain drill. I always have that down there that, you know, then my assistant, when she's there and, and if I have players sitting out, they know what time we're on. They know what we're trying to do. Um, and yeah, so I think, you know, the, the being intentional part is, is huge, both on a coaching side, but like allowing the players to, you know, see that intentionality. Um, and I think it, it helps them kind of stay focused too when you're that invested. No, I know hundred, hundred percent agree. And, 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 and I, I'm thinking, I was thinking about the, the, the part that we, we just kind of talked about. And I remember, I remember I've been in situations where I, I, I thought I had this really good idea for something we want to put in, in a practice. And I was like, this is what we need. And then after I had to apologize, like, Ooh, I made, it's yep. like, I made the wrong read there. I think I made the wrong decision that that drill or whatever yep. I thought I was going to do. Oh boy. That, no, that's on me. Well, we'll fix that and do something better and more, more meaningful yep. next time. Yep. And I've had, I've had to do that too. And even then that just, just that a bit like, allowing them to kind of see that too side of like, Hey, you know what? I, I messed up. It's okay. We're going to move on. Like, you know, and we'll, we'll do a better job tomorrow. I think that's, mm. that's also good for, for them, you know, with the confidence and, and just all those things like, you know, continuing to allow them to kind of have that idea. Excellent coach. This, this has been great. And, and to wrap up, there's a couple of questions that I ask every guest. Yep. So I'm going to go and start with this first one, which is uh, thinking back on your coaching career. What, what is a moment, from your coaching career that you could share that you think others uh, that are listening would be able to learn from? Um, I, I, I would say it's, it's maybe even a string of moments, okay. um, but you know, from, from my first years and, and for, for young coaches out there, new head coaches, I think it's, it's a good thing, but um, I think for the most part, it was, it was trying to not be too emotional Um and, and, you know, I, I can remember the times my, my first year or two where I got really emotional about things of, you know, whether I got too mad about something, whether I got too you know, you know, whether it's high or low, um, but trying to kind of keep that level keel thing with it. Um, because I can remember that those first couple of years, you know, I'd either yell at kids that I thought they did something wrong. And I look back at the film and I'm like, okay, that really wasn't that bad. Um, you know, trying to get a, a little bit of, you know, I was trying to be like, okay, no, I know I'm right. And, you know, it, it didn't, I had to go back and apologize sometimes for that. Um, so I think it's, you know, trying to allow, allow some, some extra things to happen. Um, and so that string of moments where now I don't think I'm quite as emotional about it. Um, I don't try and call too many timeouts to, you know, fix, one little thing um, and trying to allow yourself to stay, you know, even keeled. I think a lot of times it's, it's, and practices too, I think, because you, the kids are going through different things. Um, you know, they got classes, they got all these things going on um, and trying to stay that way. I think, I think you become a little bit more human that way. Um, not that humans aren't emotional, but um, trying to stay in a, in a, you know, even keeled, state of mind because then mm -hmm. you can make some better decisions and not necessarily more informed but a little bit more rational decisions um and that also allows you to you know continue to encourage kids that are doing the right things you know but it also doesn't allow you to get where you're mad at or yelling at kids that you thought were doing the wrong things and then all of a sudden you're like well it really wasn't that bad yeah um, and and i think 
yeah. So I think it's just a string of moments where from, from then to now, you know, it's helped me with officials. It's helped me with my own players um, in timeouts. I'm, I'm way more, I'm not saying, cause I did just yell at them a timeout the other day, but <laughs> like, process, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm way more able to process what needs to happen. So our timeouts tend to be a lot more efficient and a lot more actual information than it is, you know, being mad and, and losing my mind because <laughs> of whatever. So mm. I think all of those things, like just being able to try and stay even keel and not, not get too emotional. Um, I think has, has, has been something that, you know, hopefully others can learn from me on that one. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and, and as you kind of mentioned, right, it's, it's a process. It's not a, it's, it's a journey, right. To, <laughs> yes. to get there. Right. It's an emotionally yes. charged game. So we can't call it, <laughs> can't take it all out. We can't be robotic. Right. But, Correct. but yeah, Correct. I think the, uh, living and dying with every moment, which I know I've been guilty of, of in the past, yep. I think learning to manage that roller coaster, it really helps keep your team level too. When you're, yeah. you're a lot more level, uh, Still something I'm, I'm, I know I'm, I'm, I'm not perfect at, but even I can say I'm, I've, I've come a long way. So well, uh, and they start, when they start to panic and then they see you start to panic, that's all, all of a sudden, then mm-hmm. there's, then it's, it's a runaway train. Um, and I think a lot of times, like, even then it's just, okay, relax, you're fine. Like, and you got to be able to play the next play. Cause there's, you know, for us 40 minutes. So if you made a turnover, you just got to get back. I don't mm-hmm. like get back, shake it. Um, we use the, the Ted Lasso, like the, the goldfish idea. Um, and, and I think just being able to stay level with that, like yeah. allows you to kind of handle those situations better. I like that a lot. Coach to wrap up. I give every guest what I call a 60 second soapbox, but don't worry. I'm not going to time you. So you are <laughs> free to go as long as you wish, but it's a, it's a platform for you to kind of get out like a final message, a closing thought, a final idea, anything that you want to leave uh, the listeners with, and you're welcome to take it in any direction that you wish. So coach, I'm just going to open up the floor to you and uh, I'm going to let it, let you take it from here. Well, I, I appreciate it. Um, and I know as, as a coach, that's, that's a lot of freedom you're giving. I know I am. I'm taking a risk. <laughs> no idea where I'm going to go. Um, no, I think, I think for, I think for me, you know, a, a big, so, something that I've always been I've been passionate about is, you know, when, when coaches are, are working with kids and, you know, coaching them throughout the, especially the younger ages, um, as much as I'm talking about playing and playing and playing because they need to do that. Um, I think there's so many times and, and today, you know, not to be super critical, but, you know, there's a lot of kids that, you know, skill work's not quite up to par. Um, and I think it, you gotta be, while we need to be intentional about, you know, seeing all the options and, and, you know, giving them the, the, the tools, we've got to continue to do that on, you know, all the things that, you know, ball handling is not fun. I can remember it wasn't fun, but, you know, you got to be able to do it. And, you know, as, as you continue to grow and, and get to a higher level as a player, you know, your coaches are going to expect more of you. Um, and I think by setting them up to be successful, you got to continue to, to rep all of the things. So whether it's ball handling, whether it's shooting, form shooting, um, the defensive side of things, like, you know, giving them opportunities to do those things. Like it's gotta be a well-rounded game. So I don't want to, I, I don't want to see, you know, a post get stuck in there and, you know, never have handled the ball. Well, they're just limiting what they can do. Um, you know, I don't want to see the, 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 the real big kid in the seventh grade that just gets stuck as a post that then doesn't grow all of a sudden, you know, 
I think everybody needs to have a well-rounded skill set. Um, it helps me, especially what we, what we run, but, um, I think, you know, coaches at every level, players at every level, you gotta, you gotta do it all. Um, as much as you may not want to, you gotta try and you gotta try and cover everything. Um, it's hard, but you know, when you do that, your players benefit more, you benefit more as a coach. Um, and I, and I think that's something every level can benefit from. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't neglect, uh, developing those players. And it's, it's sometimes, mm-hmm. uh, not the, the flashiest thing in the world sometimes, right. Working on ball handling or some of these skills, but man, it's, it's, they, they players got to have them and everything builds off that. So yeah, really, really good point that you brought bit. up coach. Uh, <laughs> I, we do, we do some two balls, two ball dribbling at the beginning oh, of practice. Yeah. I just did that yesterday. <laughs> and, and I'll tell you what, the, some of them that have really struggled with it, I, I just kind of go like, wow, what I did was doing this for years. Like where you've been at. But um, I think it's one of those, like, you got to test them a little bit too. give them different stuff, make it interesting, but you know, try and cover as much as you can. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent agree. Uh, Coach Geisler, I really want to thank you for, for coming on, especially I know how, how busy things have been and, 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 and right, right in the middle and the, in the thick of things uh, with, with your season. But I really appreciate you sharing some insight and some ideas about, working with players, give, talking about freedom, decision-making, basketball IQ, practice planning, whole whole lot of really fun stuff. And and I'm excited with the uh, great start that you had at the beginning of the season. And, and I wish you all the best as the rest of the season continues, Coach. Thank you so much again for coming on. And, and Oh, thanks, thanks for having me. Um, and if I can be of any help, you know, anybody's free to reach out and, and I'll try and help as much as I can. Uh, appreciate that coach you're gonna have some people blowing you up i think so so <laughs> you said okay. it so be ready <laughs> that's okay awesome thank you so much for listening everyone this was another edition of the basketball teacher podcast we will see you guys next time thank you for listening to another edition of the basketball teacher podcast make sure to connect with us on youtube facebook and twitter or reach us directly through email at basketballteacherpodcast at gmail.com. Take care, be safe, and we'll see you next time.